Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food fact series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guest, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcast. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries or medical conditions and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professional. Today I am here with physiotherapist Jamie Weatherall, who practices at Active Bodies Physiotherapy in Adelaide. His practice includes pain management and education, plus he is a yoga teacher and a very keen surfer, so I look forward to hearing about all of that. Hi Jamie, welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast. Thanks Amanda. <laughs> Jamie, you worked with some of the world's leading researchers into chronic pain. Can you tell us what is meant by chronic pain? Yeah, so chronic pain basically means pain that you've felt for more than say three months. Right. <laughs> as simple <laughs> as that. Whereas acute pain would be a pain that you experience for days to weeks. So is chronic pain something that for some reason hasn't resolved when it should have resolved or is that different? Mm, that's a, it's a tricky question. Mm. Um, I guess firstly, chronic pain affects one in five Australians um, at any time. So it's, it's a big thing in, in the States, it's one in four. So they're seeing this as more of an epidemic oh, interesting. R- rather than just something that happens to a few people. So it's, it's really normal and... I guess to really understand what chronic pain is, you have to understand what pain, like the purpose of pain is. And so the purpose of pain, as from what the research currently suggests, is that it's a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. It's our brain letting us consciously understand that something needs to be attended to. And there's nothing that's going to motivate you more than pain will. Yes. However... um, pain normally will start to disappear as your body heals because our bodies are are self-healers. They're they're amazing creatures. But in certain occasions with some people, depending on the circumstances, the brain will decide that protection is still required and continue to be required. And so the person will feel pain for longer periods of time. And that's what you would call a chronic pain state. So... From if I'm understanding that correctly, is it some something that's kind of a mental construct, or is it? I mean, I, I, I'm sure the pain is real, like it's genuinely felt. But is the brain creating the pain? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, it's a good question. So, and you're right. Pain is 100% always real. Mm. Just is just as feeling cold is always real. Yeah or feeling hungry is always real. Um, or the thing that a lot of people find difficult to understand is that all of these sensations we feel are not coming directly from our body. 
They're coming from our brain's interpretation of what's happening in our body and then trying to give us a little cue. Mm. So if we feel cold, that's our brain giving us a cue that, oh, you know, there's something happening with body temperature regulation that needs to be sort of dealt with. And same thing with like hunger yeah. or same thing with, with pain. Pain is an output of the brain. Mm-hmm based upon input from the body, input from the environment, input from past memories, the conditioning of the person. Right. But essentially the brain is the is boss and the brain will decide when you when it determines you need protection and so then when you will feel pain. Does that so make a bit it, more sense? It does. It's it's complex. It's very obviously. complex and yeah. very difficult to understand. Yeah. And and very difficult because um to like we're still in this mechanical, bio, biomechanical model, which is like yeah. our body's like a car, mm. that if it's broken, you need someone to fix it. Um, and if there's pain, that means there's damage. But all the research from the last 15 plus years has shown us that pain is poorly related to damage. And that pain yeah. is 100% related to the brain's interpretation that we need protection. Wow. So it's not just in terms of treatment, then it's not just a physical thing. It's obviously something to do with your state of mind as well. Is that correct? State of mind can play a a huge role. Wow. That's fascinating. So how does chronic pain affect people's lives? What What are some of the things you've seen? I've like, personally, I've never experienced chronic pain. But I've had a lot of clients who have been experiencing chronic pain. And what I've found is that there's this certain level of fear mm-hmm. as to the pain. So if, if a flare-up comes or the pain comes on, there is this sort of in yoga, you'll talk about the monkey mind. You, you know, those anxious thoughts will come. The consciousness will be in, in a state of like, holy moly, <laughs> is that been again? I'm really, really sort of freaked out about this. And that might be a really low level. It'll, it can lead to a lot of negative thoughts, a lot of negative self-imaging towards their own body. I've got a lot of, had a lot of clients who have actually had a poor relationship with their body based on the chronic pain that they've had. So they feel like their body's broken or there's these sort oh. of internal constructs, which is horrible. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, and the problem is, is that it's not like a broken arm where people can see a cast. You know, someone with, say, chronic lower back pain, you can't see the pain. You no. can't see any damage. So it's it's difficult for people to be to feel validated. Mm. And that's the biggest issue with when people try and educate around pain is that people don't feel like their pain is validated. They feel like something's wrong in their body. But when someone says, oh, it's all in your brain, they feel unvalidated. But yeah. that's not at all the point. It's... If it's happening in your brain, it's also occurring in your body as well. Yeah. Do you think there's some, in society, there's a bit of a no pain, no gain sort of way of thinking, or is that only in sports? <laughs> I've definitely, like, um, I've definitely found that with, especially like older, older clients, yeah. like people from sort of, I guess, baby boomer and onwards sort of generations. Um I haven't seen that no. with so younger generations. Or if I ignore it, it'll go away. Do you see that? 
sometimes it does yeah. go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a, that's the thing, and, and that's the difference between like an acute pain. And a lot of the time, people get these a random pain walking down the street. Mm. All of a sudden, their knee will hurt for five seconds. Like, do we want to put a lot of energy into that? Do we want to really sort of freak out about that, or do you just sort of move on and, and assume that ah? It was just a little bit yeah, of a, a niggle, a niggle or a tweak, and yeah. a lot of the time they will go away. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I believe that working in chronic pain uh, inspired you to become a physiotherapist. So can you tell us about your path to becoming a physio? Yeah. So um, my my sort of background is in research science. So after school, I I did a degree in biotechnology and worked in cancer research mm-hmm. and then I kind of had one of those early 20s crises and went yeah. traveling <laughs> oh, oh, good idea <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I came back and and it was just by pure chance that a friend was working at this um, company called Neuroorthopedic Institute where this guy Dave Butler was producing a lot of his work and publishing a lot of his books and running his courses I had no idea who Dave Butler was but I just got a job there because of my research background and before I knew it, I realized that pretty much every physio in the world would know who David Butler is. He's, he's what you call a rock star oh, really? in, in, in pain and in dealing with nerves and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I was there for a bit over a year and I was super duper inspired. And so I decided to um, become a physio. Oh, wow. Uh, where did you study here in yeah, yeah UniSA UniSA yeah. yeah my sister she's older than you but she also studied there oh, she's right. a physio but she she lives in Melbourne now mm-hmm. um, so how then do chronic pain and physio relate because I imagine that not every physio knows what you know about chronic pain so what can you bring like how do they interact mm. my biggest goal is which is very difficult but it is to essentially help people change their construct of what pain is Mm -hmm. because if we think of pain as equaling damage which is so common then we'll go for surgery very quickly we'll 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 need a lot of passive treatment by passive treatment i mean massage dry needling and expect that that's going to cure everything by itself um in terms of physio, that's where physio has come from. Yes. Um, whereas what I see physio turning into now is more of a holistic, um, they call it biopsychosocial, but even that's becoming a little bit redundant these right. days. But it's more of a holistic thing of like, if someone comes in and they've got a knee pain, then they've got a knee pain, but how how is their sort of mental state, how is their... Um, how are their relationships? How's their relationship with their self? Um, what's happening in their life? What are their fears around the knee pain? What's their relevance around the knee wow. pain? Was there something within their family that is is really important with knees? And a lot of the time, if you can, I've found that if you can actually unravel some of the underlying anxieties behind mm-hmm. a certain body part, it's you have almost miraculous recoveries. That's incredible. So it's part counseling from the sounds of it. I would never openly admit to counseling (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not a counsellor. No, but still you're obviously (laughs) listening um, and very much sort of in tune with your patient. In fact, on your website, you say that physiotherapy is more than just treatment. 
it can actively generate change in your life and maintain and stoke the inner fire. So I really like that saying. So what what do you actually mean by that, uh, stoking the inner fire? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds pretty random, doesn't it? (laughs) It sounds exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess it's going back to what physio essentially used to be or the old school way, which is someone's in pain or they're deep in a hole. You just pull them out of a hole until they feel no pain anymore and then off you go. Yeah. which would suggest that pain is the the measure by which we sort of um, uh, measure our measure our health. Yeah. And and at Active Bodies Physio, where I work, we've got this very strong sense of we want to be mentors rather mm-hmm. than doctors, or rather than you know, um, rather than a fixer. We want to help people sort of reach what they want to reach and so rather than just pulling people out of a hole and until they feel no pain we want people to be able to live with that sort of excitement that for them to live with inspiration i've noticed that in my own life when i'm living a life without much inspiration how bored i can be how like quickly go for netflix (laughs) going for a walk in the forest or something and it's that inspiration is such a key thing. And of course, you're not going to get that with everyone. Some people just want to come in to get dry needled or yeah. get massaged and, and that will be enough to help set them on their way. But essentially we're trying to help to be like mentors rather than dictate what yeah. people do. Oh, that sounds that sounds absolutely fascinating and really um, in tune with your patients. I, I like that approach. So it's, a, it's as you say, it's a lot more than just treatment it's a bigger picture isn't Mm, it definitely yeah but that makes perfect sense to me because when you look at well-being it's not just one thing it's not just the physical it's the mental state what you eat social life so all those things interact together um you've Mm. just mentioned briefly before dry needling so i know that you offer that as part of your practice can you explain to us what what is dry needling yeah, <laughs> I get this question all the time. I bet you do. Yeah. I guess dry needling is pretty popular now. Dry dry needling is essentially using acupuncture needles. Mm. It's a treatment by which we try and release tension through needling trigger points. So mm-hmm. trigger points, or you might call them knots or, yeah. or whatnot, those spots where kids yeah. will press into each other's legs or arms and it'll you know, bring it hurts and bring a lot of pain. But often our we all sort of accumulate tension just through lives. We accumulate yeah. tension, like, yeah, in sitting our shoulders. The, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're wriggling our shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> and then a, a, a very efficient way to reduce that tension is through the trigger points. And with a needle into the trigger points and a few little pulses, you'll feel the muscle twitch. It's called yes. a local twitch response. And go, it'll, it'll twitch pretty hard and it can be a really intense sensation depending on the body part. And what will happen after that is the muscle generally go back to its normal tone. Right. Potentially after a few days of soreness. Do, <laughs> do you find that people respond differently? Do some people respond better to that than others? Or, mm, definitely. Yeah. Some people respond really well to massage, um, whereas other people will respond super well to needling. Some people are fearful of needling and will have 
real somatic sort of reaction. Right. So, so it might not that. work with them. For them, you yeah. wouldn't even sort of go go near yeah. it. I, although I have heard stories of people just thinking, oh, that'll be fine. I'll just chuck one in just in case. And then the person having a real traumatic sort of experience mm. from that. So with needling, you have to be like super careful yeah. that the people you're needling are actually really consenting to that yeah of course i've um had some dry needling in hong kong where i used to live and um for me i I respond very well to it i think it's it's a great treatment and Mm. and you really can feel it relaxing the muscle and easing the (laughs) instantly exactly dry needling as you say is becoming more popular and you said you use acupuncture needles, but what is the difference between dry needling and acupuncture? Mm. So I'm not an acupuncturist, so I can't talk extensively to acupuncture, but they, to my understanding, they won't generally go for trigger points. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with the meridians of the body. And so they will, I guess an acupuncturist, which because we've got two acupuncturists at um, Active Bodies, which is awesome. So we get to yeah. like, understand a bit more through them. But they will read your pulse, understand what's maybe a little bit too tonic, what's a little bit sort of restricted, and then and then use the needles to try and work through the those meridian lines mm-hmm. to balance the person's energy. So a lot of the time with acupuncture needles, you might not actually feel the needles. Right. Whereas that's really it, interesting. for a dry needling session to be effective, you will need to feel the twitches of the muscles. Yeah. I find it's not painful though. How far in does the needle go? Well, in the lower back, for if someone was, say for my yeah. back, someone was to put a needle in right down to my deepest muscles near my vertebra, it would go in six to seven centimetres. See, that's amazing because uh, as a, speaking as a patient, it just feels like a little flick. And to me, I imagine it's only going in a few millimetres, but mm. it's obviously going in a lot deeper. But there's that. also a, a few different types of needling. So oh, okay. There's there's a more of an acupuncture-style needling where they'll put it into a muscle, put the needle into a muscle, give it a few little twists and tweaks, mm-hmm. leave it for two to three minutes. But from what I've heard and, and from my trainer, I don't see that to be as effective as... It's called more of a piston in action where someone's actually hunting for a twitch. Right. And then once a twitch has happened, take the needle out and then move on. Obviously, um, just from looking on your website, you lead a very active life. Apart from your physio practice, you teach yoga and Mm. you surf. So can you tell us a bit about yoga and what that brings to your life? Well, yoga brings presence, essentially. I mean, I've been reading a lot and learning a lot lately and especially from i don't know have you ever heard of a guy called krishnamurti no yeah it is he's one of the most uh, amazing authors i've ever read in terms of the spiritual stuff jay krishnamurti i'll put a link to that in the show notes Mm. He, he talks about about the concept of presence and you know Eckhart Tolle talks mm. about presence and he does a really nice podcast with Oprah Winfrey I don't know if you've oh. if you've heard it it's actually it's actually quite cool I but must listen to that one yeah um but anyway it talks about like, this idea of presence that a lot of the time we're living in the past or in the future based upon our conditioning from the past or our, mm. our memories and I know I do that some of my yoga classes are classic for that you know pre before the yoga class or get nervous and start to forecast what I'm going to say. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> I'm not here. And so for me, yoga is this constant 
challenge to bring presence and if i can find that in my yoga class when i'm teaching then bring that into my day i find that i'm much more attuned to what's happening to the small little changes in life and so it brings presence obviously in your mind but also is that because you think it's linked to moving your body and you're thinking Mm. about that and is that how it how you get the presence from yoga well i guess that's a question of what what's yoga and 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 yoga in a sense to me is i mean it's that yoking it's the it's that feeling of connection with with others that yeah. sort of that oneness as opposed to being that separateness of i'm constantly in my ego mm. but it's like and i mean it's to me it's like the most difficult thing to do is to sort of recognize your ego observer and then sort of actually sort of sense sense the world around you yeah it's very much um uh, tied up i think with the buddhist idea of uh, mindfulness and non-attachment and um letting go of your ego i think we're certainly in the western world we're very um we're we're kind of groomed or brought up to be quite attached to ourselves and Mm -hmm. striving aren't we all the time and it's a very different way of thinking to check your ego out oh definitely but and as Eckhart Tolle says we're never going to get rid of our ego our ego is important and it's it's 100% necessary for our lives and as as a homo sapien there's no chance of getting rid of it yeah well i guess until you get enlightenment maybe yeah yeah the very few (laughs) who who achieve that but um but it's i guess more so being being aware of the part that that plays and for me it's Mm. because i teach at power living yoga in the halifax street um and i find that we get to do a lot of meditation there and and the actual practice is quite strong so rather than your classic just we're going into stretch it's you're actually building a lot of strength in your body and you're being challenged constantly with each class they're always changing so by being challenged you're having to be present to really control around your hips control around your shoulders and because there's three physios that teach there as well so we're very anatomically oh, focused yeah, so fabulous by being constantly challenged you're always like having to be there in the moment and also i've never been this strong before like oh, after really? yeah after practicing it at so how, someone like power living doing a vin- strong vinyasa vinyasa I, that's mm. i like that style of yoga too mm. how long have you been doing that i've been practicing vinyasa since power living opened like which is close to three years ago three years now. ago yeah right great mm. and do you think anyone can do yoga of course yeah. anyone can sit and meditate yeah yeah <laughs> and then that's the question of, of yoga like if you're wanting it depends what you want out mm. of yoga what you practice is what you're going to get good at so if you want to get really really strong then a vin- strong vinyasa practice is going to be incredible if you want yoga for sort of relaxation and just like letting go of all of the tensions in your in your body then a yin practice can be beautiful where it's just long hold stretches and you get into really just like calm and i and i love that too but not as much as a vinyasa and and if you don't like go into some talk to some buddhist nuns about um movement they'll say movement's irrelevant you know it's all about meditation it's all about sort of understanding your mind and learning how to control it so and essentially that's yoga too it is but i like the combination of using your body and your mind together i think it's a really nice way to um to be in the moment because you are you have to concentrate to a certain Mm. extent on what you're doing with your body so there's Mm. no 
um, room to be thinking about other things as much. And you say also you are obsessed with the ocean <laughs> and you love surfing. So when did you first start surfing? I used to dabble a lot because we'd go down to Goa every mm. Christmas and rent a house for a couple of weeks. So, you know, take out the boogie board yeah. or whatever. But wasn't properly surfing until I was 16 when we got our license because, you know. Yeah, of course. Living in Adelaide, being an Adelaide surfer is not easy. If you, no. you know. the, the local beaches are, they don't really have surf waves. They're quite flat, aren't they? You've got to, you've got to go down the coast probably. Yeah. You need to drive about an hour or so, I think, yeah. in Adelaide to reach some decent surf. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's so when friends and I got licenses, then started to surf because, you know, I just wanted to be um, like my big brother because my big brother was a big surfer. So oh, I was okay. like, I just want to be like him. <laughs> And, and that slowly went into my own passion. Yeah. And, and I've just, it's, I've been addicted ever since. The, yeah. It's the most healthy addiction I think anyone oh, yeah. could have. I just, I just love watching people surf because the thing that amazes me is it, it must be an addiction because no matter how cold or wet there are, always people out there wetsuits are really good these days yeah Amanda. yeah that's true but still what the when you actually go in and you get the water sort of seeping into the wetsuit it's still cold to start with to start with yeah, yeah. and so how often do you surf oh once to twice a week and where do you do that just down the down coast, the coast yeah. yeah on the mid coast around seaford yeah. area or down at Goa or yeah. waipinga or parsons oh waipinga. D- d- just depends yeah. on on the conditions. Yeah. But. There are sometimes sharks seen down there at Waipinga and Parsons, yeah. I think. Yeah. Have Just you ever don't se- look. <laughs> have you ever seen, you have never seen one or? Yeah, I've seen a shark. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a shark before, but it was a fair way away. Right. And I, like, I could have pooed my pants pretty quickly, pretty easily. I was so scared. I was going to, that yeah. was my next question. Were you scared? I was so scared and, yeah. I, and I paddled for my life. And the shark was just, it was just a two, three meter bronze whaler. So it wasn't just, I don't, I don't think it was like, I don't think we we're under any, in any risk, but no. I but mean, that's still. always a thing. And, and that's another, that's a beautiful thing about surfing is that there's so many metaphors to life through surfing. I see there's, so many fears depending yeah. on if you're surfing big, heavy, shallow waves or if you've it feels dodgy because there's sharks and whales and, yeah. and whatnot or you know, there's or you're just getting pounded by wave after wave. There's you actually taught a lot of resilience and, yeah. and patience. And, and that's a and really good way and, to look at it. And mindfulness as yeah. well. And I think definitely patience because sometimes I see surfers bobbing around for what seems like a long time before they catch a wave. <laughs> and also, I think is, now you can correct me here, there is some kind of hierarchy, isn't there? You're not meant to drop in on someone else's wave, is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, not hierarchy maybe, but yeah. taking turns or... No, there's definitely a hierarchy too. Okay. Yeah, you'll definitely get the um, some surfers who are really, really good who will dominate and... They'll, they'll be the top of the pecking order. Right. So and maybe that's their turf, well. is it? Is their turf. Don't. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you try not to drop in, which is if someone's already on a wave, you yeah. don't then catch that wave and spoil it for them. Yeah, yeah. But um, See, yeah. that's a respect thing as well, That's isn't a respect, it? but there's a, definitely a hierarchy and there's definitely a lot of BS around, um, like, 
surfing and people. Ego. Yeah, ego and, and attachment and wanting to get so many waves. Yeah. And I've been um, guilty of this too. And, and so you'll see someone struggling a little bit, going for a wave. You're like, bugger that, I'm catching this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I guess it's also an adrenaline rush too. So Yeah, you know, it just feels so good. It feels so good. Do you see many women out there? Heaps. Do you? More oh, that's and more. great. Oh, wow. More and more. Um, there's, there's a lot of girls that surf but just don't have many other girls to surf with oh okay so um one of the other physios at our work um bell she surfs oh, um cool. got a lot of people in like the yoga community who surf but yeah. i reckon there's there's a lot of room for girls to potentially like create yeah. clubs or surfing communities my, my daughters have had surfing lessons and it's just over the summer you know it's pretty casual but they love it I, mm. I'm a more of a boogie boarder. I think mm. I'm too old to learn to surf now. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> and what are what are your favourite spots to surf, both in Australia and overseas, if, if you've surfed overseas? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, as I was saying, after um, research, you know, I went travelling for a couple yeah. of years and, and so that was all guided by surfing, surfing? Cool. <laughs> so it's a pretty amazing spot like mexico has some incredible oh, really? spots oh wow some of the most beautiful point breaks and um i mean south africa south oh, africa yeah, is beautiful heard that's that. a great spot for yeah. surfing yeah. um but in terms of like australia we've got so many amazing yeah. waves and really the air peninsula is yeah. off the hook cool there's so many incredible waves if you if you can deal with the shark fear yeah then then the air peninsula is a gold mine wow oh we're, we're pretty lucky then we're so surfers lucky. surfers living here yeah it's not just too a far. bit of a long drive yes and- <laughs> good seven eight hours <laughs> oh well it sounds like it's worth it though always yeah and you have sort of briefly mentioned on uh, touched on this a bit but how do you think surfing impacts well-being I guess being being in the ocean, yeah. I mean, time away from you, any device is pretty yeah, incredible. Yeah, you can't have a device out there, can you? you? Can't. Same as in the the yoga studio. I yeah. think that's another thing. Another thing with like doing anything like that for yourself, where you're not compelled to look at anything, your mind can just like calm. And and I find that with with the surf, as I was saying, it's, you know, just practicing patience and persistence yeah. like especially persistence when it's big and you're just getting pounded yeah. and you maybe fall on a wave you're getting frustrated you have to learn how to to deal with all those emotions and and there's it's just a beautiful metaphor for life i feel yeah, yeah it definitely sounds like it and i love the gore mornings like one of my favorite things recently is doing a dawn surf at gore oh, and you cool. just get these um flocks of birds I don't know where they're migrating from, but it's like Victor Harbour, sort of Kangaroo Island area, and they just flock over to, I guess, the Murray Mouth. And then at night time, then they flock back and they oh, wow. have the full on the V. The V formation. I don't know what type of birds they are, but yeah. it's, I love seeing that. Yeah, seeing things like that. So I think also if you're out in nature enjoying it, you notice those things mm. as well. As I've mentioned in many of my podcasts, there's so many of aspects of well-being from movement to good nutrition to sleep and social um, relationships they all complement each other to enhance well-being and one of the things that comes up again and again uh, which I'm finding so interesting 
is spending time in nature, which mm. is good obviously for physical health because you're out there mm. moving, but it's also very good for mental health. Mm. And the ocean, it's known that it, the pounding of the waves generate what's called negative ions. So that is something that creates a feeling of well-being and calmness. So, And apart- stinging in your eyes during summertime. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so apart from that, which is one of the miracles of nature, why else do you think being near the ocean is good for our well-being? In the vastness, yeah, yeah, uh, any sort that's of true. any any sort of reminder that we're 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 not bound by space so much. We're we're bound by our internal constructs yeah. and bound by how we perceive things. I think for me, the ocean and and views and and anything, even forests. So, if, yeah. like, have you ever heard of forest bathing? Yes, that Shinrin Yoku, it's called that, in Japanese. Is it? And okay. that has come up again and again as well. Because um, this whole thing of, sorry, move on from the ocean. Yeah, that's but, all right. But um, I was sort of lacking a bit of inspiration a few weeks ago. Sort of, just I was hunting for Netflix every yeah. second I could, and I went for a walk with a friend in through the forest up near Green Hill and. Just holy moly! Within yeah. within an hour, I felt just inspired for life, and 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 you know, decided to build a table and, and <laughs> <laughs> go for runs, and it was just amazing. Yeah, just it's phenomenal, forest. isn't it? And someone told me that's called forest bathing. I'd yeah. never heard of it before. Yeah, in fact, in Japan, which is where it sort of originated, it's actually part of the medical. Um, treatment it's part of the catalog of treatments as a preventative thing Mm. so people go into the forest and the idea is that they sit in silence and listen to the forest and absorb all the um, chemicals or whatever come from the forest um, the healthy ones and it makes them feel calm Mm. I'm sure there's a bit of research into it as well yeah there is and in fact I went to a talk recently Um, about aromatherapy and I ended up buying this beautiful set of um, essential oils that are all from the Japanese forest and it's uh, the idea is to create that sense of a forest when you're burning Mm. these oils and it so I go to sleep with that in my bedroom and it just it's amazing nice it's really nice Um, Mm. so finally um, I ask all my guests if you could recommend uh, one or two things that all people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Well, number one, forest bathing. (laughs) (laughs) When you need it, for sure. Excellent. (laughs) And number two, um, putting your hands in soil. There's another recent thing that um, there's a friend of mine who's a big gardener said to me that um, whenever he's feeling a little bit anxious or worked up, he'll just go, put his hands in some dirt and play around in the garden just do a bit of gardening and it will just calm him down and that's another thing i've recently sort of taken to because i can't be in the ocean every day so so it's it's what can i do around home and it's those daily things and it's incredible we've got two two veggie patches now it's just Digging up grass and putting my hands in the oh, dirt. just so good, isn't it? It's incredible. And then when you actually produce something and eat it. It's I haven't amazing. got that far yet. <laughs> well, it won't be long, I'm sure. Chris and I have a um, veggie patch out the back and it's it's almost like a bit of a battle as to who can get to it first. And 
<laughs> and you know get their hands in it and plant the things so but it is such a joy i love it mm. Mm. well thank you very much for coming on my pleasure amanda thank, thank you. you and that was jamie weatherall a physiotherapist, a surfer, a dry needler, a yoga teacher, and all-round great guy. I really enjoyed my chat with Jamie and hope you did too. So you can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcast. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed and I will do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or by Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.